What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye, and have a good day, stay warm, and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 18. I'm Joe, that's Kurt over there, and we are Dudes in Progress. Hey, Kurt. Hey, Joe. Happy Good Friday. Is that how you say it? (laughs) Yeah, it is Good Friday, but this is actually being released a week after Good Friday, so... Uh, we have our we have our first uh, our first first series on faith that was just released today, and uh, this is releasing on uh, what is uh, what is next week the fourteenth on the fourteenth. So this is our second series uh, on faith. How are you, man? I'm doing great. Loving having a a day off. I was working hard this week, kind of exhausted. Haven't taken many days off since the beginning of the year, so I'm excited to do some things. Yeah, just have a three-day weekend, and it's Easter weekend. It's been Holy Week, so I've been really thinking about our topic on faith this week for sure. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, that verse, uh, James chapter 2, holds a lot of significance to me, and it holds a special significance today. I want to start off by offering our prayers and support for Daniel Ginger and his family. Daniel is a loyal listener and a supporter of Dudes in Progress. Uh, Daniel's home was hit by a tornado this week, which almost completely destroyed his home in Iowa. Uh, He's kettling his seven dogs. By the pictures, it looks like about half the house was destroyed, uh, lost some personal valuables. It's, It's certainly a tragedy. Knowing Daniel, he has a good spirit, but he's pushing through this through the help of uh, a couple communities. And there's an ongoing effort to provide financial support for the Ginger family, his wife and his dogs, and help him kind of get through this, uh, through this situation. His kids are grown, but I'm sure they're, they're impacted by it as well. Uh, Daniel is a member of many online communities, and those communities have, have, uh, have jumped in and provided uh, a significant amount of financial support. If you want to participate in financial in financially supporting those efforts for the Ginger, Ginger family, just send an email to dudes at dudesinprogress.com and we will point you in the right direction. Interestingly enough, Daniel was the catalyst for this series on faith, these two episodes that we're doing. He reached out and uh, asked us to talk about our personal faith. He knew that we, we both had a strong, have a strong faith foundation. And he wanted us to speak to that, and we thought it was a good idea and appropriate. So, Daniel, thank you for this uh, these cup these last couple episodes, this episode and the episode before for that idea. And uh, we love you, my friend. I hope uh, yeah, just 
keep us uh keep us in touch and stay strong this is the second installment on faith we went into this series a little hesitant there are a couple subjects that you never talk about and one of those is faith and politics and we're not going to talk about politics on this show at least i don't think we are uh it might sneak in here and there but uh we are certainly talking about our faith particularly our belief and faith in jesus christ last week we had a great discussion on Lee Strobel's The Case for Christ. This week, we'll ask why God and why Jesus, and much of it, Kurt, will surround my personal path to faith from an atheist to a reluctant believer in Jesus. Later in the show, we will share our win for the week, our 30-day challenge, our resource for the week, and a quote. So let's get right into this. Why God and why Jesus? Any, uh, any thoughts from... From last week, Kurt. I'm glad you remembered to mention that Daniel. We forgot to mention that Daniel was the one who sent in a suggestion, and definitely, guys, send in suggestions for for Joe and I to talk about. And this was fantastic. It just happened to fall on Holy Week, and I really enjoyed editing and listening back to our episode on Lee Strobel's A Case for Christ. Been having some fun, also watching a program on television that i don't really watch i feel like i don't watch a lot of tv i think people some people watch more than i do and there's been a a series called the chosen found on amazon what is it two years of it two seasons of it and then the third one is on i think it's the station's called the angel angel yeah is the production company that's doing it and joe i am really enjoying this I love watching these kind of programs during Holy Week and Easter time, the history of Jesus. And this, there's some kind of a realism to this program that I'm really enjoying. It's awesome. And it's very well done for, for low budget production. I think it's, it, it has some more financial backing now, but it's very well done for a, a low budget production. And what I like about it is there is a realism to it. Jesus isn't played by your typical blonde-haired, blue-eye English guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. The actor that portrays Jesus does a fantastic job. There's a, a warmth to this character playing Jesus and his relationships with the apostles and the intrigue and things that are going on politically and with the Romans, the, the characters or the actors that play so all of this, of course, the greatest story ever told, they did a fantastic job. I'm really enjoying that. So let's go ahead and get into the meat of, of today's show. Why God and why Jesus? Did you, have a, did you have a faith background? Did you grow up as a Christian, Kurt? Yeah, I think I talked a little bit about it last week. I can remember going to Sunday school. I very distinctly remember my mom. And dad, also the Lord's Prayer, memorizing the Lord's Prayer. But there was a, a large period of time when we didn't go to church. Not that that has to be something that is part of your faith. But there was a gap there. And then I, I talked about how I came to the church that I currently go to because getting married to my wife, who longtime member, 
of a Lutheran church in the town I live in and her background there. And then I just, I got very involved, did, did a lot of my own research. And, you know, I've read the Bible all the way through, Joe. I didn't even recognize your intro, which was funny. I thought it was going to be part of a book that you were going to get into. It's like, you know, I've read the Bible all the way through using one of those programs a year of reading the Bible. Yeah, I used a plan like that to do that. But I, I've been a faithful follower, really, since I was talked about when my first son was born. He's over 30 years old now. That was a, a, a big moment I can remember. And, and I think I'm always digging in and trying to understand and, and do a better and be a better Christian. I call myself a recovering atheist. And I, there was a long period of time where I didn't believe in God from my late teens into my 20s, uh, where I didn't believe there was a God. And I just believe things are what they are. Your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. You know, okay if you believe in God, but it's okay if I don't believe in God. But then something set me off. And I wish I knew exactly what it was, but something made me, I, I heard something or, or something caught my ear or caught my eye or caught my interest that took me down a little tiny path towards religion and towards understanding what, try, trying to understand whether or not there is, there is a God. Uh, I was unsettled with this whole argument and I knew I was I knew I was in for it when I was listening to an apologist named Ravi Zacharias. Now Ravi Zacharias is a well-known apologist. He has passed now and he's had some issues but uh still God worked God worked through him uh worked through him into my life, quite honestly. And I heard Ravi Ravi Zacharias have a conversation with a Buddhist or uh, somebody like that. And this guy was waving the banner of there is no truth. And Ravi went on and he said, by the end of this, by the end of this lunch, they were having lunch together. By the end of this lunch, you're going to take that back. And, and Ravi would have his discussions about faith. And this guy would say, yeah, but there is no truth. And he would continue to say, by the end of this discussion, you will, you will take that back. And by, at the end of the, at the end of the lunch, Ravi asked this simple question. When, when, his friend said, there is no truth. Ravi asked this simple question. Is the statement that you just made true? When Ravi asked that question, when I heard that, it hit me like a ton of bricks. <laughs> because you understand the circular argument, right? <laughs> That's very profound. If there is no truth, then is that statement true? Then if that statement is true, there has to be truth. There has to be truth. And that twisted me up really bad. So I said, okay, there has to be truth out there. There has to be a fundamental foundation for what is true and what is not. So where does that come from? My only, my only conclusion was that truth has to come from something, some entity outside of space and time, outside of the universe as we experience it 
now that people call God. Now, there's lots of support for this question about, is there a God? There's the, there's the cosmological argument that everything that exists has a cause and the universe exists, so something must have caused it, right? So if something caused the universe, what caused the universe? Something has to be outside of space and time in the universe as we know it, which is God. That's the only logical answer to me. I mean, people talk about the Big Bang, but if you hear a, something bang in the other room, what are you immediately going to ask? Yeah, well, what caused it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, what caused it? Absolutely. What caused it? So in the absence of a better, in the absence of a better answer, Oscom's razor says it has to be God. And then there's a, then there's this moral argument, Kurt, the, uh, the exists, the existence, the objective moral values, what's right and wrong. Where did those come from? Why are they universal? Culturally, throughout history, there have been foundational moral values. It's always been wrong to kill. It's always been wrong to murder. Even when people do it, even when it's accepted culturally, it's wrong. Even when it's accepted through some subset of culture, it's wrong. Where do these universal laws come from? This was the path that took me from atheist to understanding that there is a God. There's something out there, Kurt. Another profound reading of a book, Mark Batterson, I think I mentioned last week, is another author I enjoy reading. He digs into science and, compa- and, and does comparisons to his faith. And I, I should have dug up the, some of the things that facts that he was, he brings how amazing miraculous that there is life on earth Mm -hmm. apparently the distance that we are from the sun and that we rotate around or which way does it go the sun rotates we rotate around the sun yeah Yeah, we rotate around the sun (laughs) unless it's the you know 14th century I mean, in, in space, the distance, how accurate it has to be, and also to create the seasons. If you think of all the miracles that are happening all the time, how can you otherwise explain what's going on? You know, spring's coming up right now, and the earth is recovering from this winter. It's, you know, you look all around. We ignore the miracles. There's the fact that there's gravity. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Much of my, um, my support, what I'm saying here, comes from an author, a lecturer, a historian, a philosopher. His name's William Lane Craig. Uh, he's an apologist. And from Ravi Zacharias, Lee Strobel, and some of these other uh, apologetic authors who have really articulated the existence of God and then finally the, the 
the reasons to believe in Jesus, which 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 is what we'll talk about here in just a second. But what you're talking about is the fine tuning argument. It's mm. it's the precise conditions necessary for the existence of life in this universe on Earth that points directly to the existence of God. And the reason is because the chances of it happening, the way it's happened, are statistically impossible. I mean, just just the fundamental physical constants and laws of the universe that are so finely tuned for the existence existence of life. It just can't, it, it's just not something that can be let that is left the chance. Mm. It's statistically impossible. Uh, and that was one of the arguments. I mean, you, you have this cosmological ar- argument the, the moral argument about values. And then you have this fine tuning argument that really pointed me directly that there is a God and that God, whatever God is, okay, whatever God is, some entity outside of space and time that kind of put all of this stuff in motion and has some impact on our existence, right? That's the best, that's the best explanation that I had for God that put in motion morals, that put in motion our physical realm, that put in motion um, just the, the, the whole universe. The only logical explanation for me as an atheist mm-hmm. was, oh boy, I'm kind of screwed <laughs> because, because there is a God that that's the best explanation, you know? And then there's the, there's, there, then there's the historical argument that how did, how do so many re- religions, how did those, how did religions pop up and, and culturally, how did they come about uh, pointing directly to a God? I believe that that's because it, God created us for relationship with him. Once I established within a, within a reasonable argument, because none of us know absolutely positive. And if we're looking for something absolutely positive, we're not, we're never going to find it. We're never going to find it. But within a reasonable argument, is there a God, this entity outside space and time? Once I established that, yeah. Unfortunately, there's a God because I say, unfortunately, because now it means that I'm not in complete control of my life anymore. I mean, I have free will and all that other stuff, but there's something bigger than me, right? There's something for lack of a better way of putting it. There's something out there to answer to. Does that make sense? Yeah, I'm following you. Yeah. So once I, once I established in my own mind that, yeah, there's a God. Now I had to figure out what does that mean? What is the best representation of God that we have right now? And through a, not, not, I wouldn't call it exhaustive, but I would say a significant effort of looking into other religions. Uh, I fell uh, on Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, the historical Jesus of the Bible, right? As the most logical representation, most reasonable representation of God on earth. And there are, there are a few fundamental, fundamental factors to that. And those are the historical accuracy of the Bible uh, Jesus' teachings, uh, 
and how they spoke to the human condition and the authenticity of the resurrection. And I want to just talk briefly about those, mainly the historical accuracy of the Bible. Did you know that there has never been an archaeological find that contradicts the Bible? Archaeological finds, if they support anything, have supported the accuracy, the historical accuracy of every book of the Bible. Um, the books of the Old Testament, Kurt, are as accurate or as accurate historical documents of any that we have from antiquity. In fact, uh, when you use the measures of accuracy, of historical accuracy, the books of the Bible are more accurate than any than many of the Egyptian, Greek histories, Roman histories, uh, as accurate or more accurate than any of those. So the, the Bible is a historical document, as accurate as any other historical document that we have. Yeah, I think that was surprising to me to learn, again, going back to my conversation last week. And that always intrigued me. You didn't hear that in church. Some of these resources I reached out to didn't come from my many years of in the pew, but it's, it is quite revealing, again, being a fan of history. Absolutely. I'm just looking at the archaeological evidence. Uh, the places, people, events mentioned in the Bible have all been confirmed by discoveries. The existence of Babylon, Nineveh, Jerusalem, uh, King David and Solomon have all been supported by archaeological findings. I mean that the Bible is a is an accurate is a reliable accurate historical document. You can even look to non-biblical sources. We talked about this last week as well. Uh and there's some overlap here of course. Uh, of course there would be because I used Case for Christ and many of Luce Strobel's writings in my in my journey. Uh but the non-biblical sources the writings of Josephus and Tacitus, those are extra biblical. Those are outside of the Bible that confirm the people and events described in the Bible. In fact, Josephus, he was a Jewish historian who lived in the first century, wrote extensively about the life and teachings of Jesus. In fact, Josephus uh, said that Jesus was a magician. I think I mentioned this last week, was a magician and a doer of miraculous things or wonderful things or mysterious things, something like that. That sounds a lot like miracles, doesn't it? <laughs> it sure does. <laughs> and that, again, that's extra biblical. That's not coming from the Bible because I think we're, where people got into trouble when they were trying to speak to me about the Bible is they would use the Bible to support the Bible. And I wasn't buying it. I wasn't, I wasn't buying somebody using the Bible to support the arguments made in the Bible. So when somebody would start off and say, well, look at what the Bible says, I said, why do I care about what the Bible says? To me, that's just another work of fiction. So I thought, mm -hmm. right? Mm. But again, these are extra biblical sources that talk about Jesus and his miracles and his existence. Um, so when you look at the, the historical accuracy of the Bible, uh, it's, un, it's, it's undeniable, Kurt. It's really undeniable. I mean, you have manuscript evidence. Uh, the Bible is it's one of the most well-preserved ancient texts. 
with thousands of manuscripts and fragments dating all the way back to the early centuries of, of Christianity. Uh, that, and these have proven to be accurate when, when compared to each other over time. The, the, the Bible is a historical document. It's undeniable. That speaks to real things that happened with real people. And because it's a historical document, you can't deny some of the miraculous things that are in there. That's what we don't want to do. We, we don't, because, because there are miracles in there, we want to throw those out. But if the miracles are there and everything else is accurate, is accurate and the sources are reliable, we kind of have to take that stuff at is reliable as well, in my mind. And of course, we're going to talk a lot about the New Testament. I think Jesus made an impact. <laughs> Do you think? Yes. Yes. <laughs> they were. <laughs> he still gets brought up today, doesn't he? <laughs> there, there is no, there is no single human being, and Jesus was a human being that has had a greater impact on this world even if he was just a man right yeah think about it (laughs) there's been a lot of men yeah there's been a lot of guys made a lot of impact but not like him and it just that fact alone his impact even today his name gets brought up whether good or bad it's it's amazing to me when you look at Jesus' teachings, take away, take away him being God, take away all of that stuff, all right? If you, just, if you just listen and read Jesus' teachings, they speak to the human condition more than any other teachings, more than any of history's great thinkers. Jesus' teachings speak to the human condition more than any, more than any other of history's philosophers or great teachers or anybody. Jesus' teachings were the opposite of what people thought, which quite often is what you see when you're thinking about God. (laughs) What you think is generally not the right answer. Jesus taught acceptance and belonging, compassion, forgiveness. Uh, He also taught accountability. Mm. He also taught that he is the way. Uh, He he was very clear as to who he was. Again, this program I'm watching right now, The Chosen, and they spend quite a bit of time leading up to the Sermon on the Mount which is his ministry in one sermon. And Mm. the reaction of the people trying to get their arms around what he's really talking about and the way he'd spoken parables to forgive your forgiveness, I think is a a strange one. They, in the program, they, they show the disciples tr- struggling with their own understanding forgiveness, especially at a time that they were being brutally run down by the Romans. 
and they expected him to be the liberator, a radical liberator, a warrior to bring the armies together. Complete opposite of what he came to do in a peaceful movement. How he, right, without bringing arms against the Romans, he was able to, again, bring the Christian religion to the rest of the world and to, to Rome itself. The, in the beginning of the show, they had Nicodemus, for instance, and Jesus has a private meeting with Nicodemus, the Pharisee. And he, Jesus says to him, you know, if, if you want to see God, you have to be born again. And he would say things like this, and you're, you're trying to, what do you mean? How can I be born again? You know, these were all opposite things that people believed in and really made them think. So we think today about, we think today, 2000 years later about Jesus teachings, and sometimes they twist us up, right? Mm. That was true the day Jesus taught it. Right. So <laughs> the, the whole thing, how do I, how, how, what do you mean? Do I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? I, I can't say it any better than more than any other of history's great thinkers or philosophers. Jesus spoke to the human condition. And when I started reading his teachings, just his teachings, uh, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, we talk about the need for acceptance and belonging, compassion, a mission beyond ourselves. And quite honestly, Kurt, ultimately, forgiveness. You just, you know, I was just thinking of that. When you, that is one of those things you would never on your own get a grasp of because someone does you wrong severely. And we're not talking just like it, it could be something really horrific. And now if you were to talk to even when psychologists think about this and talk about it in their books, the only one you're beating up is yourself when you don't forgive someone you're torturing yourself. And again, you watch some of these people, there's a great scene and, and it's a dramatic scene where Matthew, who was disowned by his parents for being the tax collector and causing him an amazing embarrassment in their community. There's a scene there where they forgive him and he forgives them kind of, and you're like, wow, there it is right on display. What he was, what Jesus is talking about. They're, they're trying to do, they, yeah, they don't understand what's going on. They don't understand what's going on even at, <laughs> at the crucifixion. Oh, the crucifixion is, is, is amazing because that is what kind of sealed the deal for me when I understood the crucifixion. Because, well, the cru crucifixion and the resurrection. So if, if I accept it, if I accept that the Bible is a historical document and it, when it comes to the crucifixion, I have to give the accuracy of the crucifixion serious weight 
in serious consideration. When you look back, and I, I would, I would uh, invite anybody to look back at the, at number one, the, the, a doctor's description of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and look at what Jesus went through when he, when he was put on the cross, both before and after he was hung on the cross. It was brutal. And it's amazing that, okay, if God did indeed become man, which is what the, what the Bible claims, that God made himself man in the form of Jesus Christ to atone for our sins, to offer us forgiveness, because somehow in God's economy, and I don't completely understand it, there has to be an atonement. There, there has to be um, a, a reconciling of sin. So God decided to do that himself, become man. And isn't it interesting that this reconciliation came in the form of uh, living life as man, going through all the heartache and issues and problems of a man, of a human being, and then ultimately being tortured and killed in what many historians say is the most brutal form of execution that has ever existed. That is crucifixion, Roman crucifixion. Yeah, he didn't run away from it. He didn't run away from it. He went right to the lion's den and antagonized he knew exactly what he was doing absolutely absolutely here's the thing about about the crucifixion and ultimately the resurrection um this resurrection this crucifixion and resurrection it's the most investigated event in history and it has held up to the scrutiny of the world's most respected scholars kurt this happened. This happened. Now, if you, if you accept the Bible as a historical document, then you know that his disciples, the apostles, denied Jesus at the crucifixion. And they ran scared and went into hiding. Then Jesus rose from the dead. I say that not as a myth, not as an allegory, but as a historical event. It happened. Jesus came back from the dead. And if you want to listen to all the support for that, we did it in, in last week's show. All right. But the truth is, Jesus, this human being, came back from the dead and was seen by hundreds of people. And this event turned his disciples, turned the apostles from running and hiding and denying him to ultimately dying, agonizing deaths as they followed him again. Well, and went out evangelizing the message. And they went to the world evangelizing. Yeah. And talked about it. Yeah. Right in, the, right in Jerusalem. This <laughs> happened. The historical authenticity of, authenticity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ it was, the one, was the thing that sealed the deal. Because if, if this happened, and why would I not accept it as, as, a, as, as a part of history if I have accepted most everything else and everything else in the Bible 
is a historical document. Why would I not, why would I not accept this? So if, if Jesus as a human being came back from the dead, who else could do that? Mm. But God. It's, it's only in Christianity. Think about this. This is what kind of sets apart Christianity from all other religions. God made himself man, came down to us, and ultimately died for our sins. It's only in Christianity that God, in the person of Jesus Christ, came to us. No other religion did that. We all, other, all other religions, you have to go to the deity. You have to go to the God. God came to us. And only in Christianity did that happen. I think there's a warmth in our faith, Joe, that I discovered in that because of all these things you're saying, that he became man, experienced everything that we go through. He, he has an understanding more than anyone else, an empathy for us. And you can have a personal relationship. You can, you can go to him in prayer. You don't have to think of God as this per, someone who looks down at you and, and can't understand and, and beats on you. It's, it's a personal relationship. You, I'm going to talk about a resource about prayer, but I always misunderstood prayer that it had to be so legalistic and it's not, it, there's, you know, there's, you know what they use the word they use it in this, again, I'm going back to the show, but they use the word Abba as father. And I remember right. hearing a, a sermon, that particular word is a very, it's a beautiful word, actually. It's a very familiar word. It's a very intimate word. Intimate word. That's the, yeah, exactly. Once I went down this path, understood that there indeed was a God, understood that, that the Bible is a historically accurate document and that Jesus is the best representation is the representation of God through all these religions. Jesus is the representation of God. And ultimately, once you learn, he is God. I had one choice to make, and that is to give my life, uh, surrender my life to Jesus Christ. And that's when all the emotion came. That's when the relationship came. But I came to faith in a very logical, reasonable, thoughtful, deliberate process. But man, <laughs> Jesus is important to me. Do you have any regrets coming from an, becoming a Christian from being an atheist? Wow, that's a great question, Kurt. <laughs> I, I, I call myself a recovering atheist. <laughs> like a re, in, very similar to a recovering drug addict or a recovering alcoholic. There are times that I, I hearken back <laughs> to, to atheism. Uh, I, have a, uh, uh, I have a cynical nature, maybe, and a questioning nature. Right. And, and I call that my spiritual gift. And the reason is, is because there are, time, there are moments more often than, than most Christians that I know 
that I have to go through this process on a much smaller scale and understand that, yeah, there is a God. And yes, Jesus is real. And yes, this happened. And yes, I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, but I certainly, I, I wouldn't say that I regret it, but there are times that I, I do look back to that. I almost need like a, you know, a 20 year, a 20 year pin <laughs> from atheism, recovering, re- recover, recovering atheist. But, <laughs> well, I think there's a responsibility that hits you when you come to this realization that you're a believer. And what are the responsibilities of that? That's the hardest part for me. When I don't do, I mentioned this in my, I think, quote from last week, Paul making the, why do I do the things I do when I know what I know? (laughs) That's the part that's hard for me. That that is one of the most important scriptures in the Bible. When Paul says, I I, basically, he, he, he says, I do the things I don't want to do. I don't do the things I'm supposed to do. And why am I such a screwy person for doing it? I don't, I don't get it. That's a paraphrase, of course. But again, the Bible speaks to the human condition more than any other document. It understand. It gets me. The you, Bible gets me. I wanted to say too, when you're one of the part of the, going to church, I think the gospels, you hear all, you know, obviously, for obvious reasons, are part of sermons and a deep part of going to church. But watching other programs, again, during this Holy Week, and then reading the Bible and, and doing some other studying, the Book of Acts, you were talking about how the disciples ran into hiding until they saw Jesus come into the, the upper room and saw the risen Christ. And then the next scene, Peter's out there. Now, who was up to the end, you wonder, the dumbest <laughs> follower. <laughs> he makes so many mistakes denying, it, right. denying Jesus and all these things. And then the next scene in Jerusalem, he's giving a, he's ministering or he's giving a sermon in the middle of the street, defying the Romans and the authorities. Leading to a certain death. That's the truth. <laughs> Not right away either. They escape. Right. I mean, the whole book of Acts and then Paul, of course, I didn't know I, um, for the longest time. That was not a part of my understanding. Again, getting back to the, wow, the historical amazement of how the Christian faith grew in our, in our world. And of all people, Paul. <laughs> right. That's another. Exactly. Those yeah, two this, this, characters. This, 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 ramp, this uh, Pharisee, this Jewish Pharisee, whose job was to kill Christians, wrote, wrote three quarters of the New Testament. Right. That's awesome. And his travels in the ancient world. How they, you know, they didn't have the internet, Joe. I don't know if you knew that. How they. That, or cable or and, streaming. And paper was expensive. It was not as easy to, I would imagine, get some paper and write all these things down. How this grew from that ancient world is fascinating to me. 
So I have a, I have a resource to share as we go into our, uh, when we go into that part, but I really would invite you to pick up uh, Lee Strobel's uh, Case for Christ, uh, Reasonable Faith by William Lane Craig, uh, even the writings of Ravi Zacharias. And if, if, if you look up some recent news stories about Ravi Zacharias, you're going to find some bad stuff. But I believe God used him in a, in a miraculous way, in, in a spiritual way, despite his fallings his his failings as a man mm, you turned me on those joe and there's videos on youtube of these debates a- atheists first people like ravi that i found fascinating they are they're very they good. Are fascinating they're very good at that debate yeah william lane craig is particularly good at uh at uh apologetic debates and in there are many many debates of him debating atheists and i was an objective person when i when i started watching some of those debates uh i was i leaned towards atheism and i was turned by by those teachings uh when this is where much of this information comes from uh of course he does a you know william lane craig is is he's a philosopher and He's a, he's a lot smarter than me, so he does a much better job of articulating uh, these, these arguments. But the truth is, God is real. God is real. And he, and he came to this earth as Jesus Christ and ultimately died on a cross. And when you and I were talking about, uh, when you and I were talking about whether or not we want to do a, a series on faith, uh, there was no doubt because if we really believe this, Kurt, mm. at minimum, we have to tell people about it. This yeah, is almost the least we can do. I know it's not my greatest asset in terms of being an evangelist, but again, going back to the, it's, it's not easy being a Christian. I'm not in your face kind of person. But Joe, I was thinking you as an atheist, what, what, did, what did you gain? What was your advantage being an, an atheist if you were right? What if you were wrong? <laughs> that was one of the arguments I always thought about. <laughs> if I'm wrong, yeah. if, if, I'm, if I'm wrong being an atheist, I got a real problem. <laughs> if I'm wrong being a Christian... What did I lose? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, there, there's a, there's a, there's the argument of where will you, where will you ultimately end up? Right. If, if you are a, if you believe in G, if you are a Christian, and you're wrong, you just cease to exist, right? Right. If you don't believe in God and you're wrong, you just cease to exist. If you're an atheist and you're wrong, well, <laughs> you know, if you follow that to what the Bible talks about hell and damnation or whatever it might be okay mm. and i'm not going to get into that because there are some arguments for that 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 i can give some space for but think about this if you're wrong if 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 you decide to follow jesus and you're wrong you have just led a life of acceptance and belonging and compassion and ultimately a mission beyond yourself. Even if you don't believe that Jesus was God, which he was and is, 
I should say. Living a life following the teachings of Jesus Christ is the most fulfilling life you could live. And that's, it's, that's pretty daggone awesome. If I think of some instance in my life where I sat there and thought about something, taking an action, and I took an action based on my faith and what I've learned, those results have always been miraculous. The times that you make a stand and follow your faith really could be some of the best decisions you make. Let's just leave it at that. That's a good way to wrap up this discussion. Great job, Joe. Thank you so much. This was, this was really a great decision of ours during Holy Week, Good Friday. I think so. I think so. To cover this topic. I think it may come up again I'm sure in the future. Now that we've kicked that door open, right? <laughs> What's going on over at the Dudes in Progress community? Well, we talked about the event we had in raising funds and it was we know i remember we said that we had a itunes review and you know we actually thought it was daniel that did our first itunes review but now i'm wondering (laughs) if it was because now it's very obvious that he sent us in an itunes review and this happened before the loss of his house and daniel says wow well he says we appreciate kurt and joe what an incredible inspirational podcast brings two of my favorite podcast hosts together to chit chat about a variety of subjects that can help all their listeners out for the better. They just make it feel like a talk between friends working on these daily transgressions to possibly correct them and make their and our lives better. Keep up the awesome work. Kurt and Joe, your listeners truly appreciate you. Take care. That's awesome. Well, we appreciate you, Daniel. You know that. And uh, every time we, we uh daniel's a uh supporter of the uh of the show through our patreon uh our patreon account and you can uh you can go to that account by going to dudesinprogress.com slash support dudesinprogress.com slash support uh but uh daniel because he's a supporter kind of has a a direct hotline to both kurt and me and he reaches out periodically and we we talk about life and things and stuff in general uh and so we we certainly appreciate your your support daniel and uh, you certainly mean a lot to us and because daniel did send in this topic of faith we want to encourage you guys send us in a topic we'd love to go deep into something that you're interested to hear us talk about do you have a win for the week kurt well, I talked about exhaustively the, what we were talking about helping Daniel out, but the original one I had written down, Joe, was I had a, I do support my church and I've been running the website for many years and I joined a, we have an IT committee meeting. I missed last month's meeting and they were talking about changing up improving the website and i know this was something i've neglected for a while so it was no surprise to me and i'm starting to search for wordpress themes that would be appropriate for churches and maybe we're going to buy a new template and as i start digging into it i'm surprised to find 
the same template that we use for dudes in progress called themify mm -hmm. i already had i'm already using it for the church website <laughs> are you kidding i just never really learned it really really well and i had a pro i put a skin in there that was a church skin yeah that had been changed around a little bit so i'm learning themify joe and thank that's you that's awesome I you had no that was... idea that it that that your church had themify huh i didn't even know i had purchased it and that's that, awesome you know i did something we were getting ready my wife and i were getting ready to go visit we were doing something i no, my daughter and i were going to new york city and the time was like i don't want to miss the train would you believe i applied wordpress 6.1 upgrade and it created errors all over the page on my church website. And here I'm getting ready to catch a train. So I bought the license upgrade to the theme and applied the update and it fixed the problems. <laughs> awesome. And then I've been digging into watching some videos on that theme, Themify. So I may have some questions for you because I know you're an expert, I think, on that theme also. I'm a user. I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I know a little bit about it. <laughs> well, you did a great Absolutely. job with our website. So that was my win for the week. Yeah, I too am on, on the, on the website committee at our church. Um, we, uh, we are exploring some options and I'm, I'm leaning towards WordPress, but also, also there's a, there's a real plug and play. There's a plug and play site called Clover sites that does some interesting stuff that I'm exploring as well, but we'll see where we head for that. My win for the week is a uh is something that happened at work we had a large shipment of parts that had to go up had to go out by the last day of the month and it didn't look like it was it was going to make it out for a number of different reasons we couldn't get the truck there we couldn't get the the items packed we we couldn't get them out the out of the garage out of the out of the warehouse door uh, the truck that they first sent was too small. We had to pack and unpack when honestly, I'll, I'll be, I'll be honest. When I say we, I mean, me, uh, <laughs> had to pack and unpacked and this cust our customer was in crisis. They were down because of, they needed these parts. Plus, if you know how corporate revenue works and when you can count revenue and when you can, uh, when you can recognize revenue, it had to ship by the end of the month. And this was the 31st day of March when this happened. And at 5.30 in the afternoon, we finally got this shipment out. Mm. And it was, it was by, by just blood, sweat, tears, and ingenuity. Mm. We worked all day on getting this shipment out because our customer was losing thousands of dollars an hour by not having these parts. Mm. We needed the shipment to hit, hit the revenue number. And Everything just kind of fell in the place at the last minute. Uh, I got the assistance of the of the freight company to help me understand how to get the how to get this large of a shipment on the truck because they the truck they sent was too small. So there was some jerry rigging to go on there. But wow, at the end of the day, we got this shipment out. We were able to recognize a huge amount of revenue. I mean, this was one third of the revenue for the month, for the entire month going out this day. Wow. And uh heard from the customer that they got the parts and they are back mm. running. You're bringing back memories of my first job out of college when I worked for a bearing manufacturer as a customer service rep. 
I had many <laughs> days like this. It seems like maybe they're, those are more like nightmares I used to have on this topic. Somebody's down and they need those parts or the line is down. I understand. Yep. Yep. So we wrapped up our 30 day challenge, our 30 day minimalism challenge. Uh, we've not established uh, another challenge going forward. I think we learned a lot about this 30 day minimalism challenge, but do you want to share any kind of wrap up on the challenge and future challenges? Yeah, we've already apologized for not being perfect and that's fine. I'm, I'm over that. I did write down a couple more here that I was enjoying accomplishing, like removing those apps from your phone. You ever, you know, when you you swipe up and you get all the apps that are active in your phone, I know I do that with the iPhone and you're like, wow, I have so many that are tied up right now, but it was really liberating to delete a bunch of apps that I'm not using, clean up that wallpaper. And then the other thing I cleaned out and I didn't think it was that bad. I thought it was pretty good, but I cleaned my wallet out, Joe. It was thick. And now I am so glad to walk around with a thin wallet. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was one for me too. Uh, I uh, I have a, because I travel somewhat for my job. Uh, you know, you collect receipts and right. tickets, and <laughs> business cards, reminders, and business cards. On so, and then you have your series of purchasing cards, credit cards, and right. things like that. Uh, and your membership cards, your Delta card or your enterprise card or your American airlines card or your, uh, Hilton card or your holiday Inn card, whatever it might be. You know what I mean? And I then know you, you, you have all these cards <clears throat> and then you put, if you're lucky, you got some money in there that you're putting in there. And before you know, it, you got this big bulge that you're sitting on when you drive, it hurts your back. <laughs> Uh, when you're driving, you have to, it's so big. You got to take it out. Uh, and then you think to yourself, man, women kind of have it made <laughs> carry around a purse, just throw this crap in their purse. But then you just got to buy a bigger purse and then you go searching through the purse and you don't know what's, what's in there. So I too went through my wallet and I just left, uh, one major credit card and I took out all of my, all of my, um, uh, my membership cards. Cause those are all online. I took out all the receipts and the tickets and the tags and the reminders and the little post-it notes that I folded up <laughs> and uh, all that stuff, took it out of my wallet. And now I'm just left with uh, one, one card and uh, a, like a um, membership card that I use all the time to buy gas. <laughs> and that's it. It's so funny how you mentioned very quickly there when you put your wallet in your back pocket. And I did start to experience pain by doing that. <laughs> I, someone yes. finally said to me, and I was like, really? This is where this pain, my pain in my, you know what, was coming from? <laughs> and I started getting into the habit of putting it in my front pocket. But then you got this huge bulge in your front pocket. Right. Where I, wear, I bring my wallet now, but now it's nice and thin. So that was a great one, Joe. I, yep. And I did enjoy this 30-day challenge. I think we're going to give some thought. Uh, we'll do more challenges, but we'll be more thoughtful in the next one. You know, the one that I, I didn't do, but I'm, I'm definitely going to do is the don't wait until I die party. And I would really invite everybody to do this at some level. And let me explain to you what this is again. It's, it's, it's where you invite your loved ones over and 
you invite them to, you can do this in a couple different ways. You can invite them to come over and share stories about your life, share stories with them about what, what's important, how, what they mean to you individually and as a group and share a dinner together, but also you use it as a time for them to come get the stuff that they want from you Mm. that you don't want that they may want, and they can take it now. For a couple reasons. Number one, you get it out of your house, right? Mm. And number two, you get to see them enjoy it while they're alive. I have some old toys that I'm going to give to my grandkids. Uh, and they're going to play with it while I'm alive. Now, I, in- I had intended to give that to them like after I died, you know, that they can have it. But no, I'm going to give it to them while, they're, while I'm alive and I can see them enjoy it. Mm. And I would really invite you to do the, do the don't wait until I die party. Uh, it can right. really be really be something significant. This is a great idea. There's so many things. This has inspired me to continue this practice. And I'm going to think of you, Joe, every time I'm throwing stuff out or donating things. <laughs> every gonna, time you go to the trash. <laughs> I'm going to work on that garage <laughs> some more. Now it's warming up a little bit. Springtime is coming. Spring cleaning and all these things. And I'm going to do it with a ferocity that I've not ever done it before. And I'm going to understand how liberating it's going to be also. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we will come up with another challenge of some sort. Uh, but uh, until then, uh, I, hope, uh, I hope you go back and revisit the 30-day challenge, minimalism challenge, and maybe pick and choose like, like Kurt and I both did throughout the, throughout the month. Pick and choose the ones that you think need some work and give us a full report. We'd certainly appreciate hearing from you. You mentioned in, in, uh, in the main part of the show, Kurt, that you had a resource uh, for prayer. Do you want to share that with us? Yeah, this is really inspired by you, Joe, and some of the resources you've shared with us in past episodes. And I was definitely thinking of the, this particular, I'm not sure what we said that made me think of this. I read this in a book. I always wondered. Even though, again, I was sitting at church, listening to sermons, I never felt like someone explained to me, and I think prayer was just a mystery to me. How do you pray? I always thought of it as a legalistic. You had to come up with something that's very legalistic. And I would see others pray openly in public, and I always felt, boy, I'm not very good at this. And so I did search a a book and I found this resource, and the, the framework is called Acts. Funny enough, somewhere we were talking about the book of Acts, and it is a framework for prayer. And it's really, when you think of it and, and, and get into this a little bit, it is, Jesus did t- teach us how to pray. It's the Lord's Prayer. But we always recite it. Like I said, I memorized it, and I thought that was the way you were supposed to do the Lord's Prayer. But really, it is a framework, and it has four parts. The first part is adoration, which means to, and, and, and again, in these things, you could think about something that's going on realistically in your life right now. You could be thanking God for something that happened over the last day or week that you're having this prayer. You're quiet and you're thinking, thank you, God, for, for, in my example, I could say my community that supported this donation to the gingers. Thank you so much for being there for us. Confession. So this is the hardest part of this one. 
<laughs> to confess, not to just say, you know, that be specific. What's something that went on that you could confess that, boy, I really didn't handle that situation really appropriately this this week and i'm gonna i'm gonna do better next time on that so confession which is the hardest part and then the fun the fun parts of the of the framework are thanksgiving be thankful again be gratitude show gratitude and give credit to to god and then the finally what complicated word the s stands for supplication which just means lay your your needs in front of god and ask Ask for things is the final part. So acts, a framework for prayer. Try it. it. If you look at the Lord's Prayer, it has all of those four parts. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. It does remind me a little bit about, about the Bible study, the SOAP Bible study. And these, these little tricks, these little tools can really help you. Uh, I love this, Kurt, uh, because it does take you through the process of prayer. And I'm all about process, right? Uh, something duplicable. Uh, something that you can repeat, something that you put a process to, and that's how God built me. And I'm going to just let, let, let the way God built, built me do its thing. And it doesn't have to be this framework. I think the other parts I've learned, you can emotionally go in front of our God because of Jesus who sits in between. And then we have this personal relationship and just say, here's the, here's the best prayer I think I ever heard. if I'm thinking of this correctly, Lord, I need help. <laughs> help me. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's interesting that you bring that up because that was my very first real prayer to God was, God, I don't even know if you're there, <laughs> yeah. but if you are, guide me into the right direction so I'm closer to you, Whatever, wherever that takes me. I may be talking to air right now. I may be talking to the to nothing. But if you are there, and be quite honest with you, I'm not sure you are. But if you are, man, just help me. Yeah. I remember that was my very first real prayer. I've heard people say, he can handle it. <laughs> he, <Yep. laughs> he understands. He's big enough. He's big enough. <laughs> he's, he's God for his sake. <laughs> He understands. <laughs> he knows. He knows what you need before you ask. Right. Don't worry. Yeah. Right. And it's okay to be front. You know, in in prayer. I mean, we can talk about prayer for just a second. Uh, it's okay to be frustrated during your prayer, or even angry. Yeah. Or even it, whatever emotion, sad. Uh, take it all to God, man. Yeah. I mean, that's he, very he liberating to me when I heard that. He gets it. Yeah. He gets it. You don't have to be a priest or a pastor and say all the right words right well i have a little different resource completely not even faith related okay? <laughs> we're never on the same page are we joe <laughs> and this isn't even a resource yet to be quite honest with you okay this is a future resource but i i'm really excited about this resource I've, i'm not I wouldn't call myself a, uh, an environmentalist. Uh, I, I don't even recycle, to be honest with you, because I read some things recently about recycling where it just doesn't do any good. It's not really being recycled. It, it still ends up in landfill somewhere or floating in the ocean or whatever it might be. Um, 
but I think that we need to do, we need to be good stewards to the, uh, to the best of our ability of this earth that God has given us. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think plastics are a real problem. Uh, single use plastics. Now I still drink out of plastic water bottles. Uh, not nearly as much as I used to. I've, I have a stainless steel water bottle that I use 80% of the time, but we still buy a 24 pack of water bottles a week. Um, but not nearly as much as we used to directions more important than position. Right. Mm-hmm. But I found these, these laundry detergent sheets called earth breeze. In essence, what they've done is they've taken laundry detergent and completely dehydrated it, it seems, to a sheet that has all of the, all of the cleaning properties, removed the chemicals, left the cleaning properties, how they do that, what magic they use, I don't know. I'm just kind of trusting them. And it looks like a dryer sheet, right? Mm-hmm. And you take this, and you take this, this laundry detergent sheet and you just throw it in you throw it in the washing machine and it doesn't come in a plastic bottle it comes in a recyclable cardboard box or paper box or whatever uh and it's cheaper it's less expensive than laundry pods which is what we use now and i'm really excited to see how well these things do the they're called earth breeze eco-friendly laundry detergent sheets and uh just look them up i don't have the website here for them uh and i know it's not quite a resource yet it's a future resource but i just wanted to share that with you because i'm not the type of guy that leans towards earth friendly stuff you know i don't celebrate earth day um i've always made a joke the way i you know i celebrated earth day by use by pouring unused paint down the sewer um but i i say that tongue in cheek i don't really do that uh but I'm not that guy, but I'm, you know, I think we do have a responsibility at some level to be good stewards where we can be. And so I'm really excited to try these earth breeze, eco-friendly laundry detergent sheets. I'll give you a full report uh, as to how well we, they just arrived yesterday. I'll give you a full report as to how well they clean. Oh, you do? oh I thought they were coming in the future. Gotcha. When you say they were on their way to you. Got it. All right. Well, we'll, yep. we'll yep. Get I haven't learn. used them yet as my point. I hope they work now that you've given them great promotion. Yeah, we'll see. I may come back in two weeks and say, man, I'm going back to <laughs> going back to Tide laundry pods. Hey, I love clean. Uh, it drives me nuts when I see garbage thrown out of people's cars and I want my clean water, clean air, and I don't want any garbage thrown out on the streets. <laughs> yep. So let, let's wrap up with our quotes. Well, I think appropriately, I'm going, I had to pick two, Joe. These are two of my favorite Bible quotes. Kurt, you do that a lot. You know that? You, yeah, you, you, come, you, come, you come with two things, uh, two wins yeah. or two quotes, uh, two resources sometimes. <laughs> you just can't choose. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, it's, so give us your two quotes. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock. And it will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives, and he, and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, it will be opened. That is from 
book of Matthew chapter seven. Mm. And then, yes, I am going to give you a second one because I couldn't decide which one was my favorite. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God from Philippians chapter four. Boy, did I, did I need to hear that last one, Kurt? Do not yeah, be anxious about anything. Yeah, we're, we're still we're still working on the house. I mean, the the work is uh, slowly being completed. In fact, my flooring guy was supposed to show up today, and he called right in the middle of this conversation, didn't he, Kurt? And <laughs> said he can't come until Monday. <laughs> so another delay, and it's a long weekend delay too, because he was supposed to start today, and uh, now he won't get started for for three days and as i've been hearing your stories and you've been going through this it seems like for such a long time joe in my mind i'm thinking you know when this is all over everything's going to work out just fine that's the way i'm seeing from the outside watching what's going on with this and i think when you look back on it you're going to agree all the anxiety you stressed over you probably didn't need to do all that it's funny about, about that, Kurt, and, and I appreciate that about you because I, I, I needed to hear that. Um, I know that, that you and I, we, you know, we share support. Uh, we support each other in, in many ways, uh, and part of the way that we support each other. And I would, I would invite everybody out there to find a couple pals, men, women, it doesn't matter, uh, a couple pals that you can really bounce life off of. And, uh, and Kurt and I do that a lot with each other. And, uh, I know that, that we've exchanged advice and counsel, uh, and I really appreciate that, Kurt. I, I appreciate your calmness on behalf of me <laughs> because, because I'm I understand. not, because I'll give you an I'm example. not, I want to give you a story, a really quick one. But when my wife and I bought the house we're in, we rented our condo and it went well as a landlord for a while i unfortunately i did not i was not prudent in checking on the property and a time came when my tenant did not pay for a couple of months i did start eviction right away it ended up costing me i'll say about three thousand dollars out of my pocket which was very stressful and i was very anxious and now looking back at it it was not that long after that joe got through all of the court proceedings and got through it, very stressful, anxious time. At the end of the year, when I did my taxes, I took a loss on that $3,000. And I looked back at that and said, look at that. I didn't lose a damn thing financially in this. <laughs> when I look back at and all that stress and anxiety I went through, I didn't need to do it. Right. It all ended up in that, you know, similar situation you're going through right now. So no matter, no matter how this stuff shakes out, right, it's, it's no. going to be okay in the end. You'll yeah. learn from it. And again, whatever, a prayer for whatever our friends, it might be. A prayer for our friends, the gingers, you know, their insurance that they're going to be going through the, hor the horror. It's going to be eight to 10 months out of their right. home. I, I'm really hoping they can find a situation for their dogs too, that they can get through this. So a little prayer for Daniel and Norma. Absolutely. You know, my, my wife is like that too. She, she, uh, she is the calm one. She is the one of faith. Even when oh. she, she, she is, uh, Good. 
she's a she's steady. Um, now, my my personality certainly brings benefit to the relationship. Uh, I'm I'm fairly Type A, and so which which means I'm I'm driven, and I push to get things done, and I push to have a process through things. Uh, but even when it comes to our faith, she's just a person of faith. She she, she just huh. she doesn't worry about stuff. <laughs> She thinks everything's going to be okay. Uh, she, you know, she believes in God unquestionably, and me, I'm, I, I can get myself wrapped up in these, in these cynical loops. Uh, so, I just appreciate that. I appreciate, I appreciate her being that way. And and Kurt, like I said, I, I appreciate your the calmness that that you bring to this to this situation. Thank so you. Thank you. Bring us your quote. I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it, I see everything else. C.S. Lewis. All right. Easy. And that is, that is Christianity to me wrapped up because my faith provides clarity through everything else. It's the ultimate answer of why. And I ask why a lot. In my faith, my belief in Christianity, just as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, because by it, I see everything else. Hmm. By clarity, Joe, you're exactly right. That is very comforting. That is why, that is a big benefit from our faith. In times of trouble, but this clarity and yeah, the comforting of our faith is is the is a huge benefit. So let's wrap this up right there. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to have a post show uh, audio today. We'll we'll post something as as Kurt and I maybe talk another time because uh, my daughter just called me and says that and said that she needed to chat with me uh about something and she seemed a little bit uh and a little bit of distress so uh living out my values uh, i stop everything for the people that are closest to me so we won't necessarily have an after show in the purest sense uh, but we'll certainly put something uh an additional bonus program related to this show uh at some other time i i promise you i promise you that just a reminder, our website is dudesinprogress.com, dudesinprogress.com. You can reach us anytime by emailing dudes at dudesinprogress.com. And uh, we've said it many times throughout the show, if you want to support the gingers, uh, just send an email to dudes and dudes at dudesinprogress.com and we will point you in the right direction. As we go into our week, remember, progress is better than perfection. So let's keep moving forward. <sighs> I think I've said it over and over again. We're not perfect. We try to live our Christian life, but we'll try to do better next week, Joe. We certainly will. Talk to you soon.